0: Hi everyone, and welcome to The Sweep, Southwest exciting, energetic people, Nafax Southwest's very own podcast coming at you from the beautiful San Diego, California. And we're here talking about what the command is all about. We'll hear stories from various people talking about their experiences around the command, along with entertaining, informative topics. Nafac Southwest stands for Naval Facilities Engineering Command Southwest, and we plan, build, and maintain sustainable facilities, delivering environmental utilities and other critical base services. I'm Lynn Pence, your host, so let's get started. All right, everyone. I am here with Vernon Hunt, the Facilities Management and Sustainment Product Line Director for Nafac Southwest. How and are you, Vernon? I'm doing well,
1: that's a mouthful. That
0: is, right? <laughs> but I'm excited to learn, and so excited that you're here with us today. Sure. Um, we also have here Elise Magsarilli, really, the Human Resources Director. So go on, Vernon. Tell okay. us about you, what you tell, do here at Tell NAPAC. us about me.
1: I guess I'll get started with just talking a little bit about myself. Um, so I grew up in uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Mm-hmm. I'm a Navy brat. Um, that's kind of been a common theme, I think, on the uh, podcast mm-hmm. um, from the bits I've listened to. So um grew up in virginia beach went to school in north carolina at north carolina state um the engineering school in the acc take that xo um <laughs> so they may win football championships but you know we crank out quality engineers so <laughs> i don't know if that's really a better thing but here we are well, for now um, southwest maybe it right? is, so so i worked uh so uh went to school at north carolina state graduated came uh, as an intern to uh NAFAC southwest in 2004 and um, I've kind of bounced around inside of the command since then. So um, I've worked for a little while in, in every business line. So I oh, uh, worked in environmental for a bit, CI a lot, um, asset management for a bit, and now for public works has kind of been my second, my actually my longest now, when I look back at it, it's been 10 years there, uh-huh. six years with um, capital improvement. So
0: oh,
1: wow. um, so anyway, um, kind You've of- You've been
0: bounced. with NAFAC for a while
1: then? Yeah, I've been uh, 16 years. In 19 days, July 20th, 2004.
0: Wow, know that to the to the, to day. the day. Yeah. So, <laughs> well,
1: I think about this because um, uh, when I was picked up as an intern, it's kind of weird for me to be on the East Coast and get picked up by Southwest. But really, kind of came down to Southwest was the first call. So, um, <laughs> nice. I, you know, when I put in my forms, I was like, I'll go to Hawaii, I'll go to California, <laughs> and if it comes down to it, maybe I'll stay home. So. Um, California called, Southwest called, so uh, I came out, and so anyway, I remember that because uh, 4th of July weekend, we came out to look for housing, um, so anyway, a lot of detail that you guys you don't can't, care about. you but.
0: can't beat San Diego, though. You cannot <laughs> beat San Diego, that's true,
1: so it's, it's intoxicating here. I've, um, uh, yeah, I've never been bored, um, although sitting at home for a while now starting to get there but <laughs> overall i've never been bored it's a great place to be um Definitely. you know and um uh, my time here in the command like it's a great command to be a part of with a dynamic mission um, lots of different opportunities um, that may not exist in other places so um, really really thankful to be a part of the team so you wanted me to talk about FM&S, um, yes, so, please. <laughs> so facilities management and sustainment is, um, in my opinion, one of the um, most dynamic product lines uh, in the in the command. So we cover down on the vast majority of the wage grade workforce. So um, XO and BD both reference that we're about thirty five hundred people in the command. Public Works business line is about two thousand of those thirty five hundred.
0: Right. So fm and right.
1: is a, about eleven 1, hundred of those two thousand. So. Um, A third of the command is facilities management and sustainment, so I'm very proud um, to work with such a great group of professionals across the AOR. Um, So we have everything from plumbers, pipe fitters, painters to facilities management specialists. We have some engineers and engineering techs that do um, smaller um, non-design contracts um, out at the PWDs. Um, We, I am responsible for a call center that actually answers trouble calls from our tenants. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm responsible for the supply chain management. So all of the materials that our technicians need to um, do their work across the different product lines falls under my purview. Um, I have a group of engineers that do airfield inspection. Um, so they go out and check all of our airfields in the, really the uh, pack fleet area of responsibility. So they do all of our region, but then also Hawaii, um, Japan, uh, the Northwest, um, in you know, Seattle, Whidbey Island, that kind of thing. So um, that group is kind of SMEs in, in airfield pavements and airfield pavement sustainment. Um, so really just a very diverse mission set. Um, I can tell. You know, and yeah. um, it, it's really exciting to, to be a part of it. It's a complicated business, but, man, we've got some of the best um, professionals you could ever ask for um up and down you know the lines from you know the leadership level down to you know all the way down to the deck plate so um i'm i've had a ball i've been doing this for four years now almost five years Um, with pw specifically this this specific job in pw ah i see um, for about five years and um i've had a blast i've learned a lot um you know i've i'm very proud of our team Mm -hmm. and the work that they've done over the last year with the general fund transition and all of the things that have come with essentially up, you know, redoing our business model from top to bottom, in addition to changing different financial systems, um, the team has been resilient um, and, you know, couple that on top, you know, COVID on top of that, you know, it's like on and on and on. And, and the seems to me, our capacity to achieve and excel is, is limitless. Like there's, there's never been a time the bar has been raised that, that, you know, our team hasn't answered the bell. So I'm very, very proud You're definitely supporting the mission absolutely (laughs) yeah Yeah, i was i was i've been talking you know when i go to uh, out to the sites i love going out meeting the folks and one of the things um, that i talk about a lot is that the things that we do matter and that's true across all of navfac Mm -hmm. um but given that um, you know the folks that are going out and doing the service calls it's it's little day-to-day things right? My my team um, and the team across the AOR delivering those services at the PWD, you know, that team really interacts with the fleet on a way that most of the other portions of our command don't, right? That How sailor, so? so that sailor knows, you know, the, the, you know, when he calls in and like the lights out in his barracks room, right? Okay. Our guys are the guys that go out and change that light. Mm-hmm. Our guys are the guys that like, you know, hey, they need to do a small reconfiguration of you know, a space so that they can train better, right? Our guys are the guys that go out and do that work, mm-hmm. um, whether it's our technicians in-house or we have our, you know, our teams that are doing kind of those smaller renovations day to day. You know, if I expand outside of FMNS and look at the public works business line as a whole, everybody is impacted by public works. That's on yeah, an installation. A hundred percent, you know, the lights don't come on um, if public well, works, works isn't doing, <laughs> doing their job. So yeah. it's, it's hugely impactful, and it's, it's funny because I talk with my counterparts a lot about the idea that like nobody complains when they flip the light switch and the lights come on, right? Like, but the moment that the lights don't come on, here come the calls. There's the calls. So, <laughs> right. so the work that our, our teams are doing each and every day is absolutely vital um, to making sure it. that the, the fleet can train, equip, deploy, do the things that it needs to do on a, on a day-to-day basis. So it's really really a pleasure to be a part of that that uh that team
2: they're so. kind of the unsung heroes too right yeah like you said I, yeah, I could nobody needs that. you until they realize it's not working but then when it's not working you, they really rely on you absolutely. it's critical yeah exactly <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely so yeah it's it, in you know it's it's been amazing to see kind of how things have evolved over the years i mean we're trying to do um a lot of things related to um Trying to make more data driven decisions with things, which has kind of introduced a new skill set into public works that hadn't been there historically. Okay. Um, so, you know, we have a program where we're trying to better utilize condition information about different parts of the building to inform how we spend um, the funding that we have to get the most bang from our buck. So, um, we've been working that for several years. It's The program's maturing. Um, utilities is kind of coming along um, in that same uh, capacity, really starting to look at the um, condition of our utilities infrastructure and start to make investment decisions uh, based on the condition of that infrastructure. So a um, lot, wow. lot of exciting things happening. It seems like- I see that. <laughs> you know, so much of the, you know, routine can seem like it's humdrum, but there's so many little nuances and complexities to, to doing that. And I know, um, leadership often talks about being brilliant at the basics and like I look at FM and S and man, we are the bread and butter basics of facilities, (laughs) um, overall. So I really, really, again, can't say enough about the great team that I'm, that I'm privileged to be a part of. So.
0: Great. So how exactly did you just come into public works?
1: Was it just like
0: because you mentioned oh, that you were, you know, an intern, yeah. you had different business
1: lines. So, um, I, I'll go back to the beginning. So I came in as an intern for capital improvements. Um, I was in the AIP program, the acquisition interns program, which I think is now maybe in ADP, it's called something else. Anyway. Um, so I came in, in that program targeted to work for capital improvements at the end of my two and a half years. Um, so in that program, obviously there's rotations that you do. And so, um, I set my rotations up so that I hit every um, business line. So I knew kind of, at that time, like we were, there were project leaders mm-hmm. on the uh, integrated product teams and I knew that was kind of where I was destined for. Okay. So I tried to figure out, okay, what are all the pieces that go into my job and how do, and kind of the ancillary parts, then um, how do I get a toehold in each one of those? So I knew like environmental planning was needed um, for me you know i had to have a a categorical exclusion or an environmental assessment in order to move a project forward it's like okay i need to learn about those things so i set up a rotation so i would go i worked for environmental for a couple months Um, 1391s are the planning documents we use to um, plan large facilities projects i'm like okay i need to figure out how to write these things (laughs) so i went and worked for asset management for a few months Um, so i tried to structure my um, rotations in such a way that um, when I finished, I kind of had a good sense of all of the different things that go, went into producing the products I was going to be asked mm-hmm. to make. Um, but then also, um, it also helped cause I had a network, right? So I had people in each of those business lines that I'd worked right. with. And if I had a question, I don't understand this thing or that thing, you know, now I have some people I can reach out to directly and get, Perfect. um, information. So, um, I was very fortunate to have a lot of folks that took the time to teach me those things, mm-hmm. um, but it, and it made a huge difference because I had um, you know, an understanding of the, the different pieces of the pie, um, as it were, before I got, um, got going. So that's kind of, that was how I structured my rotations. I came off, I worked for Capital Improvements and um, the central integrated product team, mm-hmm. which supported the Marine Corps, um, had some <laughs> really, really great projects. Um, I was the young single guy, so they, um graciously assigned me 29 palms as kind of the place that i went um so i spent <laughs> a lot of time um out at 29 palms had a had a fantastic time working with those folks great folks out there um you know and uh, learned a lot um in the course of that and um i've carried a lot of lessons from my time with working on the central ipt kind of forward so i did that for a while um the, an opportunity came up in 2010 um, where uh, the the command was looking for someone to fill in as the deputy public works officer at Naval uh, at El Centro, and so uh, I volunteered. Um, <laughs> similar to um, what BD was saying um, on the last episode, um, you know, I raised my hand because I think sometimes taking that chance and that leap. Yeah. Uh, but I went out to El Centro, and I think El Centro was kind of a turning point for me. Um, in that DPWO role, you're really touching on everything that's de- all the products and services that are delivered by NavFac. Um, and I think I had my eyes open that there are so many unique and different things happening across the business lines. Everything from, you know, at the time there was a lot of uh, emphasis on trying to get uh, NFADS data updated on the asset management side. Um, Public Works was doing some really interesting things with energy. Um, environmental had a lot of different things going with compliance and all of these different things that I hadn't been exposed to in the IPT. And so, um, I remember leaving El Centro thinking, man, I I gotta get a, I gotta be a part of some of that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, after my time at El Centro went back to central for four or five months and then applied for a job on the energy team, um, shortly thereafter. And that's how I made my transition to public work. So,
0: you know, what I'm noticing, from your story, is just that you kind of set yourself up. You like, I had to learn this, so I'm gonna go here and do it. And you, you know, volunteered for the deputy uh, position at El Centro, and that's just like that's already like a sign of great leadership, right, Elise? Definitely. And um, I wanted to ask you, Elise, you kind of started off as an intern as well, right? Mm-hmm. So would your path be kind of like how you got to our where you are now? oh definitely but the same
2: thing yeah I, I definitely agree with that you know when you're trying to kind of blaze your your career path i definitely think taking every opportunity that yeah, you're offered sure. and even the opportunities that you're not offered right sometimes you have to create your own opportunities i see that yeah so you you kind of just have to make yourself as useful as possible to as many people as possible and and hope that they'll help you along in, in your career path um, so I definitely agree with what yeah. you said, Vernon.
1: Well, I think, like, you know, in any any stage of your career, like, you got to be constantly learning. If you're not learning, if you're not trying to learn something new, then um, I would take a little bit of time and reflect about kind of what you're doing because I think that, um, you know, to continue to move forward, you you got to have um, kind of a hunger to learn some new things. And I think, um, you know, I think that's been something that's propelled me in my career. Like, I, I've, I've always been – I've been curious – I've asked questions. Um, I tried to understand, you know, because sometimes it's, it's a matter of understanding the rules so that you can then kind of navigate inside those rules yeah. to get to what you need, um, you know, and and really building those relationships and those networks. I think that, you know, that is a um, an unsung asset of leaders, right, is their, yeah. is their network because um, you bring that with you wherever you go. Right. Um, and if you've got a good network, you know a lot of people, um, know people in different areas then you know you can call on them for for help and then you can also be a resource to others like I think yeah, right. I've had a interesting transition in my career over the last like two years or so where uh-huh. you know before I was making all the phone calls I was asking all the questions and now there's a lot of people calling me asking questions which is which is great it, it's being on the of, other side yeah, of things it's yeah kind of, it's flattering <laughs> but uh, you know and, and so it's just kind of a weird moment of wait a minute now you know the tables have kind of turned so so anyway
0: yeah i mean i can somewhat relate because coming here you know brand new to government of course um i thought i wanted to go into the whole legal business but then as i was in there i started doing a lot of digital marketing and marketing especially getting more lawyers into the business um, and so right. it, it just, you know, when this opportunity came up, I, was, I, I definitely took it and ran with it. And I'm, I'm you know, happy to be here, I've, as I've said in the past episodes. <laughs> and it, it's great. And I, I feel like I'm also learning the whole HR staffing side. You know, I'm always asking questions, too, because I just I want to know the other side of things. Like, mm-hmm. what are what's the product, honestly? You right. know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, I, you know, it's really interesting to hear different sides from the different. I guess, departments, you know, kind of like they meet in the middle and it's exactly the same goal. Vernon, I have a question for
2: you. You've said that, you know, FM&S is such a large portion of of this command. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you have any advice for folks who are trying to get into the trades industry as a Mm, career? Yeah, And maybe some of those uh, junior level tradesmen and tradeswomen who are trying to progress in their career. What kind of advice would you give to those folks?
1: Absolutely. So um, a couple of things if you're I'll start with the folks that are trying to get in. So we have a great apprentice program across the AOR. So um for folks that you know may have someone that's interested in the trades um we'll every year we do a cycle of apprentice hires across the aor um and in that program you'll come in um you will send you to school Um, we pay for school uh you'll be you know partnered with a uh, a mentor or protege um to um to kind of train you in the the you know ups and downs of the trades i mean really it is it is a um, a great way to start in to the federal government, um, and a great way to start in to the trades, especially if you're, you know, um, you know if you're someone that's interested in doing that kind of work, and or you're you're not quite sure what you want to do, um, you know, and you're trying to figure things out. This is a great place to come to learn that because if you look at how dynamic you know NAFAC as a whole is, you know, you could come in as a, um, and I think I've seen this happen. You can come in as an apprentice, get a trade. Go to school because Navac's got um, after-hours tuition assistance. There's a lot of benefits that are there. Go to school, get a degree, come back as an engineer, and work your way through. Um, I mean, there's there's endless possibilities. You know, exactly. Once you start getting getting your uh, getting your foot in the door, Um, so the apprentice program is a great way to you know transition into um, the FMNS community Um, and really the community as a whole. We have them for utilities, transportation, all of the trades, we've got um, some opportunities for apprentices. For folks that are, um, you know, in, uh, in with us, they're already journeymen, um, I, I can't recommend the ELP program enough. Um, that has been um, a great opportunity. I think we- um, What is that? So the Emerging Leaders Program. So Public Works have been running a um, leadership program that was specifically focused on the wage grade workforce. Um, and I think we've done three or four cadres at this point. Um, But the ELP program was a great opportunity for folks to network um, with their peers at the other installations. When you got a guy from China Lake that's partnered up with, you know, somebody that's working at Coronado, you know, there's Um, a lot of similarities in the things that they do, but there's a bunch of differences as well. Um, And so there's an opportunity to learn from one another, um, get exposed to other trades, folks from other trades, one of my favorite things about the program, two favorite things. First is um, they're required to do interviews with different leaders um, in the command. And so I loved uh, <laughs> loved, and love doing those interviews with folks. Um, and I've had some, several of them come back and ask for career advice down the road um, and happy to do that. The, the other thing is at the end of the program, um, they have to present a project. And inside of that project, it's supposed to be something that's going to improve um, you know, the overall you know, culture at their site, or or culture across the trades, um, or something to improve efficiency, of the command, whatever. And and like, I'm always blown away by the ideas that come out of that. Um, and a number of them have actually been implemented um, in various kind of forms, um, depending on you know kind of timing. And some of them are kind of on they they're in that nascent stage of like we're gonna we're gonna get to them, um, but there's a couple other boxes that need to get ticked first. Um, before we can get there, but I know one of them. Uh, there was a presentation about supply chain management and materials, and that really influenced the way that um, we're going now with our next contract and the partnership we're working with GSA and um, a number of other things. So, anyway, that those those would be yeah. the kind of my two big recommendations. Um, going back to the network theme, you know, try to meet people as much as you can, ask questions, be curious about um, what other people do, um, you know. If you want to, you know, go down the road and be an FMS some someday, ask what an FMS does. Start to learn a little bit about um, the systems, but be curious. And, and I would say tra- chase chase work that you're interested in. Don't chase a grade. Mm-hmm. Um, chasing a grade is a, a terrible, terrible idea, and it's going to lead to disaster. I'll just go ahead and I'll make I'll make that <laughs> proclamation. <laughs> that <it doesn't- laughs> if someone proves me wrong, I'll be happy to eat the appropriate amount of crow, but <laughs> I'll almost guarantee that if you chase a grade, it's going to be disastrous. So chase work that's interesting to you. Chase work that um, that you want to do or that you're curious about and that you can grow in. Um, if you don't do it's that... A living then, testament to that, yeah. right? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, really um, work the network. Chase work you're interested in. Um, ask a lot of questions about how things work because, um, you know, those, those things are going to serve you well as you start to look for different opportunities or progress inside of your career.
2: So. Yeah. I like what you're saying about the networking. Cause you know, I've um, moved across the country for a job and, and I've always been sad to leave the place that I was leaving. Uh, but what they've taught me along the way is don't look at it as you leaving something. You're growing your network, right? right? That's you're, you're, not leaving I something like behind. You're expanding yep. your network. So as long as you stay in touch with those people that you worked with, you consider them part of your network, um, it really does help you to grow. I've definitely experienced yeah, that for
1: sure. And, and I think the more that I spend time in in this field and this, you know, in our command, like we are all inextricably linked. Every last one of us, you know, um there's there's nothing that one group does that doesn't affect the rest of the command. Mm-hmm. Very um true. and, you know, the more that we can continue to reinforce that across, you know, all the different levels of the organization, I think the more successful we're going to be, right? Mm-hmm. That that decision that's made, um, you know, in the design phase of a MILCON, right? It's going to have 50 years worth of implication for the folks that are maintaining that building, sustaining that building, um, that need to make sure that the building's in environmental compliance when we go to demolish that building. I mean, right. every everything we do, like it. it it all it, you know it's like it's like a big pond right you throw a <laughs> rock in the pond the ripples are going to kind of touch mm-hmm. the whole thing right. you know and, and and every aspect of our business is you know involved in that you know um we were joking around about the workload increasing um before we got on the podcast and you know <laughs> but in reality like everything that happens in hr space right it has an impact on every single portion of our business right mm-hmm. we Definitely. can't get qualified people in we can't deliver products and services on right. time and the right amount to the fleet every time. So, you know, all of the pieces are are, are tied together, and there's there's um, it's it's humbling in a lot of ways to know that you're um, yes. you know one big piece in 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 this super super effective and powerful machine. So absolutely.
0: So, do you have any like special projects? You know, that would be interesting for listeners to know
1: about. I have some nerdy. financial stuff that's consuming my, consuming my world. Um, no, I mean, there's, there's a number of, um, trying to think of where, which ones to start with. So, um, one of the big things that we're working is, um, I talked a little bit about supply chain management. So, um, we have to, in order to deliver those services to the fleet, we got to make sure that we've got, you know, the right kind of light bulbs or, um, you know, um, security doors x09 locks you name it we got a lot of different things that we buy and so um two years ago we started down the path of changing our model for how we purchase um materials and moving towards a partnership with uh gsa um we'd historically been in partnership with dla the defense logistics agency Mm -hmm. to um supply our our shop stores um and um Provide materials to our command, so we're pivoting a little. Like I said, we we talked a lot in that one of the first ELP sessions, um, and we really, you know, my team and I we started talking about okay, how do we how do we do this different? We've kind of been on this road for fifteen years or so with DLA, and it hasn't gotten really any better. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're working with GSA to to get new stores in place, to partner with them, um, to try and get more um, commercial. Vendors, okay. You know, like Granger HD Supply, some places that have you know physical storefronts, other places um, to come in and run our shop stores and provide um, a good portion of our materials. So we're really hopeful um, that that's going to make a big difference um, in that space. You know, our our objective, and I told the team, like the objective has got to be to eliminate material availability as a barrier for us completing work. If we're not tracking towards doing that then we need to refocus on on what we're doing so um, you make
0: me want to come work for you now
1: <laughs> so um so that's one one big project and, and a huge focus area that really my entire time in i we've been trying to to solve that um that challenge um i talked a little bit about the condition-based maintenance program um and so one of the things We've kind of got Mark one of that where we're you know assessing the condition on an annual basis and then using algorithms to say, you know, hey, you need to replace this piece of equipment in two years. So then you can plan your long range maintenance plan to say, okay, I'm going to put a project in to replace this equipment in 2022. Um,
0: Very next, technical.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next evolution of that is um, we're going to we're trying to use um, our direct digital controls. Um, so the building control systems, to actually make the decision when we do recurring maintenance on equipment. So right now, um, most uh, recurring maintenance is set kind of on an anniversary basis, right? You go change the air filter once a month or however frequent. But sometimes we're changing the air filter once a month in a unit that's only run for, you know, 10, 15 hours in the course of that month. So we're trying to shift towards, hey, let's figure out the runtime for this equipment. And when the runtime hits a certain point, that's when we trigger a PM for someone to go change that filter, right? Or if the the pressure differential, I'm talking nerd now, uh, (laughs) the pressure differential across the filter drops to a certain point. That's when we go change the filter so that we instead, you know, we may not need to do 12 filter changes in a year. We may be able to do it with, eight, right? And if, if that, if we can reduce, um, you know, that requirement by 25%, that's money that can go, um, you know, towards, um, you know, additional projects or other work that we need to get done because we're, we do not have enough funding to sustain the shore that we, the way that we need to. So, so that's another area that we're playing with. And then the last one I'll talk about is, um, it's ongoing right now. We are in the process of deploying, Um, So replacing our first generation of um, handhelds, so all of our technicians have a um, PDA, for lack of a better term, um, that we load their work orders onto, and then they can record their time in that PDA, and they can do um, condition updates in the PDA, and then that gets synced, and feeds our business systems to then populate their time card, a bunch of other things. Being more um, efficient. Yeah. So those um, they've the those handheld devices have been dying a slow death um, <laughs> for the last few years, and so we are um, headfirst into uh, deploying our first um, round of iPhones um, to the technician. So that'll replace that PDA. It'll, well, it does a number of things. It replaces the PDA. It'll allow for us to have. Um, real-time assignment so if someone calls in and there's an emergency we can get that into our systems and assign it to that technician on their phone which we can't do right now um it'll also give them access to email and some of the other things that um have been challenging for the wage grade workforce. So we're really, really excited about where that's going. Um, I want it to go faster. I keep yelling, "Go faster!" Um, <laughs> it doesn't seem to make Aren't a difference. Like that? Yes, yeah. we so, are. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, that's that's a really exciting space to be in because um, the possibilities, like we're we're just kind of scratching the surface of what those um, those iPhones can do. So the. The first iteration of the software we're using really is just going to be for timekeeping and, and work order management, kind of what we've been doing with the PDAs. But we've got, you know, we're looking to develop modules to help with materials so that that technician can essentially go out to the job site, kind of get an assessment of what he needs to do, go on his phone, put his order in for his materials, um, and the system back in the the back office can start working to get those materials ready so that, oh, you know, yeah. in an ideal scenario, he comes back for lunch, his of materials are waiting for him, wow. loads him into the truck and he's oh off to gosh. go finish the job. So, yeah, so crazy. you know, we're, we're kind of just, you know, scratching the surface of that, you know, even to, you know, do a better job of, um, you know, barcoding our equipment, right? You know, that way we can, you know, if a service call comes in, hey, the AC is not working. The technician can then scan that equipment it gets updated onto the work order so we know which unit broke and now we can start to keep track of troubled units right mm-hmm. we get called out every week to fix this ac unit let's make some investment and replace it because we're wasting money fixing it so yeah. there's there's a number of things that um that i'm excited about um seeing you know that technology um get into the hands of our technicians and i i imagine um, a lot of them are going to come up with ideas that we didn't even think about. Hey, if you just did this thing, um, we could, you know, do this. And I, I'm I'm excited to see, you know, the possibilities of what we can do kind of going forward. So system's not perfect, yeah, um, right. <laughs> but, uh, but we are working, you know, to improve. And I think that there are great opportunities for us to do that.
2: No, you know, I, I think I'm just amazed by, you know, in listening to, to what you're saying about the processes and how, how this all works, you know, as someone who, you know, I sit in in these facilities that you all, you know, maintain and uh, you you underestimate the value, you know, you don't think about your air conditioner, uh, you know, sitting there and what it takes to maintain that. And and make sure that everything is in working order, you take that for granted. Yeah. So I really appreciate what you're sharing. It gives me a lot of insight on how much work that really takes yep. so uh, much and how important our wage-grade workforce is to, to keeping these facilities and keeping the fleet running. It yep. just It's very um, eye-opening for me, yeah. and it gives me a better appreciation of, of the work that they do on the front line. And Absolutely. the detail
0: that he described about yeah. everything was like, perfect because it's you just you don't think about these mm-hmm. things right. and then you know you're the guy <laughs> yeah so shout
2: out to all the the wage grade workers who are, well, who are making yeah. sure yeah. Thank that, you. that we can show up for work and everything's in work and order
1: yep and the the fleet could not do what it does on a day-to-day basis without them not. um Absolutely. i can say that unequivocally so yeah. i definitely um, agree with you much appreciation for all that they do each each and every day day in and day out so i'm glad you, to do that so it was
0: really interesting what you had to say and i'm i'm very appreciative that you are here with us and letting us know the other side of things, you know, and you are a big business line, right? So I've heard. So just having the guy for us out here, you know, tell us everything about it. Thank you so much, Vernon. I appreciate it. Yeah, for
1: sure. And quick shout out to my 2 X ex-podcast listeners. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to another episode of The Sweep. If you want to know more about NAFAC Southwest, check out our website at nafacnavymil forward slash swcareers. We have a lot of exciting new opportunities to join the team and learn about all the great things we do to help our facilities. Join us again soon for another episode, and we'll see you on the next one.